Hello, hello, my friends. It is Ondo. And welcome back to the Knights of the Nerd Republic. You know what to do. And stay profitable. The Nerd Academy podcast is released weekly at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, available on our website at www.thenerdacademypodcast.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the Nerd Academy podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the Nerd Academy podcast, where every donation allows us to bring you more exciting content every week. Hello there, and welcome back to Knights of the Nerd Republic, the show where your favorite nerds talk all things about the galaxy far, far away. I am your host, Jared, the Dark Jedi, Bachman Stubbs, and it is time, ladies and gentlemen, the Bad Batch is back for one last mission, and this is going to be our week-to-week coverage of every episode of Season 3, the final season of The Bad Batch here on the Nerd Academy Podcast. I'm very excited. This is a show that has grown on me significantly. I was not that into Season 1, and Season 2 really, really did knock my socks off and change the game. And I'm very excited to go on one last ride with Clone Force 99. Um, this, it does make me uh, kind of sentimental, as this will be the first uh, Star Wars show uh, that we will have covered in its totality on Knights of the Nerd Republic. Um, you know, we the show started after Rebels had finished, um, after Resistance had finished, and all the other shows are ongoing. You know, you have like your one-offs like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Book of Boba Fett. Um, I hope Book of Boba Fett isn't a one-off. Um, but this is our first like series that we have covered as a, you know, season-to-season, week-to-week, episode-to-episode thing. Uh, that is wrapping up here. So, uh, here on KNR. So it's kind of, you know, in my feels about it in a, you know, kind of fun, sentimental way, but I am not alone. As you guys know, I am joined by the one and only case and Brian Craig engine himself. Good evening. I'm so excited to talk about the batch. I missed the gang so much. Um, yeah, three episode premiere is pretty wild, pretty cool, pretty, uh, fun. Um, the Empire Magazine stuff is pretty cool, too. The uh, prequels are finally getting the love they've always deserved, and I'm so happy for Hayden Christensen. But I do want to say that I'm, like, Liam Neeson shouted out Ahmed Best in his interview. And I'm kind of upset that Ahmed Best was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like, Jar Jar is the prequels. Like, he's not he's not in, entirely the prequels, but, like, he is in the DNA of the prequels. And the clone well, movies. listen, we got we got somebody like, uh, popping off backstage who's definitely yeah. going to want to weigh in on that. Jerry's man, um, I'm starting without him. My bad. <laughs> yeah. From the Bombad <laughs> cast uh, and cast fellow castmate of Ionized Bastards, we have Jerry the Cannon Junkie. Woo! Uh, listen, I was and just backstage Epic Confrontations the... number one contender. Oh, that's right. And right now, number one contender. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I know Jared is just chomping at the bit to uh, take me out. But uh, let's say listen. you saw you saw that uh, killer promo case and cut to Many Men by Fifty Cent. And I just that I was... just take pride in being and living rent free in the minds of every single member. Uh, for Confrontations player. 
I'll send you the original version. Sure, that's that's the way it goes. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, no, no, it's fine. Like I was back. I was giving you the. I was giving the the devil horns backstage. Like hell yeah, Jar Jar is the Jar Jar is my lord and savior. Um, hell yeah. But yeah, well, no, no. Uh, Bad Batch is back, and uh, I cried in the first episode, so I'm doomed. all right. I'm doomed. I am very excited. I will say on the topic of this preamble, Jar Jar. Before we get a word from our sponsor, um, I must say. Um, the not again, we're not sponsored by Roosevelt's, uh, yet, yeah, uh, Steve, anytime now, baby. Um, I am so like to my core excited for the 25th anniversary Phantom Menace collection. Like, we they they were showing teasers for it, and I believe it was uh, Orlando Megacon, um that I I just so so excited for like they're doing their ropers like their cowboy shirts um Kason's wearing his Bo-Katan one in some of the thumbnails probably in this one as well um if you look at that it's like the cowboy like, with like the yeah with that exact hat but it's got like the cowboy shirt like shoulder pads with like the pearl buttons um they were teasing a Darth Maul one Beautiful. so like the shirt's yes. black with like red piping with like Maul's face on it um, they had like a Brady Bunch style pop art Jar Jar Binks one um, that I'm so incredibly excited for. And apparently they said that there's going to be like multiple uh, Jar Jar shirts. Um, so it's not just that one. They said there's going to be pod racer stuff. Um, oh, God damn. I know. I know. Like you, every yeah. everybody on this, our entire friend financially circle, afford this. <laughs> Our entire friend circle. That's what is I'm going saying. Be, I'll never recover. Are going to be fucking destitute uh, by the time uh, this Phantom Meta. Listen, I'm not kidding you. Jason, myself, my and my girlfriend <laughs> are low key planning a vacation around getting these shirts. Oh hell yeah! There you yeah. go. Because because uh, because the way my conspiracy brain works, <laughs> Fan Expo Philadelphia is happening the weekend of May the fourth. Mm-hmm. Roosevelt's always releases a Star Wars collection on May the 4th, even if it's not on like a Tuesday or Thursday. Right. Normally, they're like big recent drops have exclusive variants at the conventions. Which stands to reason that there is going to be 25th anniversary Phantom Menace stuff that you will only ever be able to get at Fan Expo Philadelphia. We're there, baby. We're there. We're there. The plan is we're going to be there all weekend. So if anybody's listening who's in that area, plans on being a fan ass with Philly, please come through. We never got a chance to upload it. Kaysen edited together a great vlog from our first one. I might even drop it leading up to actual fan ass with Philly, and then we'll release a new one. Um, Or maybe it'll go up for patrons of the the old one. Uh, But we're absolutely going to be doing another uh, little mini vlog video diary type thing uh, at the next fan expo Philly. Um, can you guys hear the cars passing by my house? Is it no. Is it obnoxious? Okay, good. No. Okay, good. There was this little that came by, and I'm very warm, so I'm letting the cold air hit me like directly you know, from the window right good. here. You know how many times I hear police sirens go past my house, um, like when I'm recording Same. something? It's like every time. It's every time. No, I, I have. I've never heard it. So there you mm-hmm. go. There you but go. Yeah. No. Very, very, very excited, especially for the Phantom Menace love. Um, but. Before we start talking about any of that stuff, we do have a word from our lovely sponsors at 
Let me get to the page. Sundaysbloodymary.com. You guys know the drill. Sunday's Bloody Mary has the most badass Bloody Mary accoutrement in the galaxy with their three-time award-winning spicy Caesar mix, as well as their mild and traditional mixes if the spice ain't for you. You also get your freak on and garnish that bad boy with some pickled dilly beans, okra, and asparagus, also award-winning, and get nasty and salt that rim. This former bartender will never touch a Bloody Mary mix unless it is Sunday's Bloody Mary. The only Bloody Mary mix that can make a better Bloody than I can or my mother from scratch. She's the best goddamn bartender I know, and I was her Padawan. So let that stand (laughs) that Sunday's is where it's at, baby. I am probably going to be seeing these two gentlemen. I mean, I see Kaysen pretty frequently, but I'm probably going to be seeing Jerry and a lot of our other friends uh, over the summer, and I'm absolutely bringing some Sunday's Bloody Mary over to that trip. So I can uh, Sunday's Bloody Mary pill everybody and get some uh, uh, Hala brand um, pickled vodka or, or pickle vodka because I'm pretty sure you can only get it in PA because I'm thinking, pretty sure it's made in PA. Um, but yeah, use the link in the description down below and use the code TNAP, T-N-A-P at checkout to get 10% off your order and help out your favorite nerds while you do it. So. Keeping this prequel love conversation going, Empire Magazine, their big uh, cover story uh, came out, cover stories came out uh, this past week. Unfortunately, the physical version is really hard to get a hold of. And because of that, we're not really going to be able to talk a whole lot about it just because most of the contents of these interviews and these pieces were mostly in the print version of the article. Um, But... We can't talk a good bit about, you know, what we do know, what we have seen. Um, obviously, those covers were incredible. There was the light side version that had Anakin, Obi-Wan, Padme, Mace Windu, uh, and Qui-Gon Jinn on them, and Yoda. Uh, and the dark side version that had uh, Lord Vader, Darth Maul, Count Dooku, Jango Fett, Darth Sidious, and General Grievous on those. Um, and then they had a really cool uh, member article or member cover that was like a fun toy box of all of like the prequel era action figures mm. that filled me with joy. I don't normally uh, mark out for just the invocation of action figures. Um, no shame to people who do. I know that there is a very thriving collector community, uh, both just naturally in the wild and also like people who talk about that stuff is like the main thing they discuss when it comes to star wars so no shade there i've just never been somebody who's like oh action figures yeah but when i was looking at that cover i kept like and again you know i'm nothing if not painfully on brand all the fucking time you know when i'm seeing all these action figures of like the jedi council members i'm freaking out because those are the ones i had you know like there was specifically like this sacy tin figure um that i ha- i had like two of that figure i had like two of that sacy tin um and it, it 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 filled me with joy um so yeah let's let's just cover wise how 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 are we feeling because i have a little mini rant i want to go on about the covers because i love them but there's one thing i'm like mildly miffed about with those beautiful covers that i'll talk about in a moment i think jerry knows what it is because i bitched about it in a group chat we're in um right but those covers, they're beautiful. Any, any, anything to say on that front? I mean, you know, like Casey was saying earlier, uh, it, it's great except for where's, where's Jar Jar? Where's, uh, where's our, yeah. our Buster Keaton, you know, uh, of the sequel trilogy or the, tri- the prequel trilogy, excuse That's me. My bone to pick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just like uh, give, give my, uh, my floppy boy some love, please. Please. Thank you. Anyway, love for he got, and he, he's, 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 the middle action figure uh, on that subscriber cover. 
And so I was like, okay, there's Judge. That's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, give him some love, man. Throw him up there. He was the, like, I don't, he was, he, the, he was public, part of the main cast. Collectors. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but besides that, I, I mean, it was big time prequel vibes. Sent me right back to, uh, I mean, like, I, I was like, <laughs> uh, what at the end of like 2005 or like, you know, like transported to the year I graduated high school, like waiting for Revenge of the Sith to come out, going to see it as a graduation present uh, from my parents and everything. Just like, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it transported me back besides, again, severe lack of Jar Jar. Yes, yes, severe lack of Jar Jar. I, too, uh, take Umbridge. Now, I am going to – so I have Umbridge to take that is – much more granular, um, but something that has been true of the Disney Star Wars era for some time now that has annoyed me to all hell. So we have the light side version. Beautiful. Like I said, Obi-Wan, Padme, Anakin, Windu, Qui-Gon, Yoda. Beautiful. And then Mm -hmm. right here, we have a Jedi symbol to denote light side cover. Right. Now Jerry knows where this is going. I know where this is going now. <laughs> now I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this away, now. and I know this is gonna end up clipped out for TikTok inevitably. Um, yep. What's up, kids? There are too many fucking Sith symbols. Hey, the tattoo like, parlors of America need bread and butter. Okay, there are like <laughs> four Sith symbols, and it infuriates me. So there is, and Kason, you can slap these in here as we go uh, in the edit, and I'm sure everything mm-hmm. I'm saying now will be cut out once the clips are made. But so there is the traditional Sith symbol that is a circle with like four jagged ends on it. And then there's a variation on that one that I have tattooed on my fucking arm that is a circle with two little like jaggedy bits on either side of it. So those two are the Sith Order symbols. Those are these symbols of a dark religion of wizards. It is the inverse version of the Jedi symbol. It's in our logo, uh, for Christ's sake. It is, the, when you look at our logo, it is the Jedi symbol and inside of it is the circle with the jaggy parts on the end because I think that looks cool. It was actually in the force unleashed too. It was your uh, force fury meter. And I thought that shit looked cool for forever. I'm never going to beat the accusations, but there is then the Sith empire symbol, which is basically a spookier looking version of the galactic empire symbol. Very similar circle with like the, instead of like cogs, it's like little slits, same basic symbol. And that was already fucking too many. That's three symbols, two of a religious order, one of a government body controlled by that religious sim- religious organization, but still distinct symbols. And then we get The Rise of Skywalker. A movie that I've softened on over time. Mm-hmm. But introduced the Sith Eternal. A cult run by the Sith that, that, that is designed to worship the Sith and serve at their behest. Now, Star Wars has had a hard time choosing which Sith symbol to put on fucking toy boxes. And I get it. I get there's too many. 
And I get that the graphic designers working at Hasbro are probably worked to death as is. And I was happy in the lead up to the rise of Skywalker that most product that invoked the Sith symbol used, in my opinion, the correct one. Now, the correct one just so happens to be that I, the one that I have permanently etched into my body. But it's objectively the correct one. It looks the best. It is, it is the symbol of the Sith order, the, or, the religious group of dark wizards. And then the rest of the record chooses Sith Eternal, this cult devoted to the Sith, but not themselves the Sith. And ever since then, anytime there's Sith anything, it's the fucking Sith Eternal symbol, even though that is a cult that serves the Sith, not the Sith themselves. So imagine my guffaw and frustration that when looking at the beautiful dark side cover for the Empire magazine, that the goddamn Sith Eternal symbol is right there. Is it a big deal? No. Am I the idiot for being annoyed and angry at this? Yes. But they they truly could have just gone normal Sith symbol, either of the normal Sith symbols, imperial symbol, confederacy of independent systems symbol. No, they picked a religious order that plays no fucking role in the prequel trilogy. And it makes me angry. This is so stupid. I'm aware. I'm part of the nitpicking problem. But motherfucker. Why the Sith Eternal? (laughs) They have nothing to do with this goddamn story. Throw me a bone Because all the two of them have passed on to become part of the Sith Eternal. Listen, listen, Star Wars Theory, as Star Wars Theory just lamented tonight, as we're seeing, oh, God, they're connecting the Bad Batch to the Eternal Trilogy. So, yeah, yeah. It's all all connected, baby. The Eternal Symbol is from his script. It's from, yeah, that's from his script as well. Yeah. It's, again, I know it's not that serious. I know it's not that serious. But this specific thing pisses me off so much. <laughs> I'm understandable. Sin- I'm sincerely incensed by it. I truly am. Like some people like nitpick like the clone troopers we've gotten in live action lately that like the armor's molded in a way that like is not consistent with the movies or that like every time we've seen the 501st and all these Order 66 flashbacks, it's a different shade of blue. Like I don't care about that. <laughs> I couldn't give a damn less about that. But the Sith Eternal and the Sith are not the same thing. And the Sith Eternal have nothing to do with the prequel trilogy. Outside of Palpatine being there. Yeah. Again, I wish I wasn't like this. And I wish that when I looked at this cover art, I went, I didn't go... Wow, that's so cool. Ugh. Like I got I like I rolled my eyes and groaned at it. <laughs> they should they should have just straight up put the uh uh Confederacy of Independent Systems uh symbol on there. Yeah. I mean, you know. I would have I'd have got General okay Grievous it. on there. He's not a fucking Sith, you know? Like Right. <laughs> I mean, there are more not that the normies know that or anything but you know you could i mean one could make the argument 
that there are more people on this cover that are associated with the Separatist Alliance than they are the Sith. True. Like, yes. Count Dooku is both. Darth Sidious is both. General Grievous, Confederacy. Django, yeah. Confederacy. Like, all four of them are, like, at least half and half. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, listen, hey, I'll do another nitpicky thing here, too, as well. It's just like, um, again, love the prequel love and everything. I've already we've said our piece about our, our boy, Mr. Binks. OK, um, it's great seeing these prequel characters on the on the cover. It is the Phantom Menace's 25th anniversary, and there is not a single person on there that is f- like in their phantom menace look except for like Qui- qui-gon's on there right like qui-gon, qui-gon and the- maul but like they're qui-gon only and maul. in the phantom menace those are the only those that's the only phantom menace they have and it's like you could have like put like the like queen amidala with like the the classic like red dress the like the black you know like just hair piece and everything um and like my my boy jake lloyd like give that give that kid some love man for real yeah but anyway that was another thing i was like oh we we are still so embarrassed are we still so embarrassed by the prequel especially phantom menace which in my opinion is the best prequel i will Um, say i thought it was cool that empire ran three dueling opinion pieces about which is the best prequel movie yeah like if you go to their homepage, it is why the phantom menace is the best movie of the prequel trilogy why attack of the clones is the best in the prequel why revenge of the sith is the best in the prequel trilogy so i thought that was cute i thought that was really that's, cute that there was like cute. there was one uh stomping for each of the prequels um you know obviously as everybody's seen by now there was the incredible photo shoot with hayden christensen um i will try to pull that up as well so people can see that if you somehow haven't seen the incredible photos uh, that they did for um, Hayden uh, as like an exclusive interview and photo shoot. Um, try to get to that uh, where he was talking about, you know, uh, being in a better place with his relationship with uh, the prequel trilogy, which, you know, is really good to see, you know, like I, I, I would, I could only imagine that he'd be in a better place now than he was, you know, back in the day. Um, but, let me pull this up so we can share the photos. But yeah, no, I, I love what he said as well. Cause he was talking about, um, he was talking about patience. He was like, if I can impart any, uh, any advice to my younger self, it would be to be patient and that the kids who love these movies will, um, they will grow in, they, they will grow up and get to, uh, have their time in the sun to speak on it. Uh, yeah, here is this incredible photo paying homage to the iconic Phantom Menace uh, teaser poster. Um, again, I really wish they it's could really have had iconic. Jake Lloyd to talk about it. Um, well, you know, but, but, I, I understand he's he's reclusive these days, and you know, it's I don't you know, he he doesn't owe it to us. I think there's just right. a whole lot of Star Wars fans, namely us, and a lot of people like us. Who, who want nothing more than for Jake to get his flowers that, you know, Ahmed and Hayden have been like getting the fuck out of their flowers. Yeah. And Jake, Jake deserves that time in the sun as well. Well, like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, there was the moment a couple years ago. Yeah. Where Ahmed uh, posted about his, uh, a suicide attempt. 
and everything, you know, with yeah, you know, which was absolutely powerful. And like a lot of us, like that, that's not the thing that changed like my mind on Jar Jar, honestly. But you know, but that's it's just like I, I want, I man, I want a redemption arc for that kid, for for Jake Lloyd. Excuse yeah. me, he's not, a, he's not a kid anymore. I, I need to give him his respect. But give the man his damn respect that he needs. And I just, I want a redemption arc for him so bad. Yeah. But the Hayden pictures like were instantly iconic oh yeah instantly iconic like yeah, absolutely I, insane i know baggy is in right now and i i'm a bigger guy so i've always like chafed against wearing baggy clothes because like you know and i and i know case and can relate to this is that more often than not stuff that fits us easily is stuff that like is way too big for us you know mm. like it feels like if it, it feels like to to make a timely Dune joke, it feels like the only sizes that exist sometimes are Timothy Chalamet and fucking Baron Harkonnen. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't wear the same size shirt as Baron Harkonnen. Um, but <laughs> uh, so like, I've all of that to say, I've no, I have not been super into the baggy aesthetic because <laughs> I feel like it will fit, it'll illy fit me, and I'll look schlubby in it. Yeah, this Hayden Christensen wears baggy like a motherfucker. This man man is baggy and it works so well. And I love, love, love these photo shoots. He looks incredible. The man looks great. Kaysen and I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, last year. And just what a stylish guy. A man is always dripped out. He's always looking really good. Like in everything for he's like the Kenobi on. press and everything. I mean, he's just absolutely uh, him and Ewan just like absolutely making everyone else look like shameful, shameful peasants. You know, it's just they, they look fantastic. Yeah, never. They never well, do. You, you said it. So we got to play it now. I can't I can't let you go. This motherfucker don't miss. No, he's fucking good. That motherfucker don't miss, man. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. No. I love Rappaport on that. No. No. He's pouring something into a red Solo cup. It's one of the, yeah. one of the few times He's anything's good. ever come out of uh, Michael Rappaport's <laughs> mouth that didn't make you want to run into oncoming traffic. No, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's the one Michael Rappaport clip you could show your mother. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's just yeah. him going, no. Um, but anyway. He's good. Yeah, that was great. You know, Ewan spoke. I will say my favorite thing about the Empire coverage uh, was the conversation they had with Samuel L. Jackson um, that I don't I don't think I'll be able to pull up, but I will just be reading directly from it uh, because uh, Mr. Jackson uh, just posted it to his Instagram. Uh, it was a little thing just called the Jedi texts. It was like a little like, uh, you know, side piece to their main column. We fired off some key questions for Tammy L. Jackson for this issue. His brief but high-energy replies in full. Now, I'm going to yeah, – mic down for this, Jordan. Uh, I'm going to pull a knowledge fight and push the microphone away because these responses are in all caps, and I do believe they were meant to be yelled. What are your, what are your memories from your outstanding Palpatine fight? 92 moves through three rooms backwards and boots in a robe. What were your thoughts on Mace's death? He's not dead. Do you have any Mace Windu action figures? Tons. 
if Lucasfilm came calling about a Mace Windu solo series for Disney Plus, what would you want to do in it? Everything. Yes. Sam Jackson's thoughts on the Star Wars prequel trilogy and Mace yes. Windu. <laughs> <laughs> What would you like to do with it? Everything, motherfucker. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. It's, it's uh. just the way. Like, okay, so not too long ago, I had the pleasure of writing an Epic Confrontations match. Uh, it was a, it was like an inner geekdom style exhibition match. Our very own Travis Grossman played in it. And uh, for one of my round two Marvel questions, I wrote a question about Blade Trinity. And the question was, how does Blade respond when Dracula asks if he's ready to die? And all the multiple, and one of the multiple choice answers that everybody thought was hilarious was, and it was one of the incorrect ones, but I, I put B, bitch, I'm Blade, in response to Blade, are you ready to die? <laughs> and all of our friends who read those thought they were funny. And our dear friend Alden Diaz made a very funny point, which was, and he picked up exactly what I was trying to put out there with the question, with that answer. Uh, and it's funny because it does not answer the question. Um, Blade ready to die, bitch. I'm Blade does not answer that question, <laughs> and it makes me think of some of Sam Jackson's answers. Because, what are your memories from your outstanding fight with Emperor Palpatine? 92 moves through three rooms backwards and in a robe. In boots and in a robe. That does not answer the fucking question. <laughs> no. I was gonna say like that's it. Like is that his? Is that his answer to backwards in and heels or something? Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> I just, I'm just so deeply entertained by like what are your memories? And clearly the people at Empire are expecting like. You know, oh, this, that, maybe even bringing up the fact that they had to completely retool the fight because the right. set wasn't big enough, and they had to like, I, like they're, I think they're expecting an answer, and all oh, Sam I had a lovely time with, with Frank Oz <laughs> or something. All may also, I keep calling him Mace. All Sam Jackson can respond with ninety-two moves across three rooms backwards in boots and a robe. This what might be the funniest <laughs> choreography. <laughs> the choreography in my wardrobe. I had yeah. to walk backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Turning it into Seinfeld. What's the deal with Jensen? That was, that was very artists? Seinfeld. That was very Seinfeld. But yeah. Why do I have to fight backwards? What's the deal? I just. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this might be the funniest thing Sam Jackson's ever done. <laughs> like you know oh so he's talking about mace windu not being dead that's par for the course now right and just allow me to be the first to say i'm on team sam jackson on this one i know a certain somebody did a certain fan series um that again i know i've said this before i hate doing the oh it was in my script i was saying years before i was on a microphone that is exactly the story i would tell about mace windu is him having to face Vader um, and like exploring Mace and like whether or not the fall of the Jedi and his own near death would have made him more militant if he would have become like a Rom Coda type post uh, the fall of the order, or if he would like become more Yoda. And like, there's, there's very interesting things you can do 
uh, in either direction. And then somebody made a fan series about it. And now no one can ever touch that idea ever again. Um, but please call Sam Jackson. Please let him play Mace Windu again, for the love of God. I need it. Please. I need it back. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of fun, interesting stuff uh, in the Empire uh, magazine. Uh, you know, again, you guys can find it on your own, on the interwebs. Um, I, I wish there was more to chew on in the online versions. They sat down with Ian McDermott, who also had a really cool photo shoot. Um they sparked a new round of uh, discourse again around Palpatine's return of the rise of Skywalker. Ian McDermott was like, yeah, no, it makes sense. Palpatine's the type of guy. who'd always have a plan B. Uh, we'll be talking about that later in our bad batch conversation, um, which made sense. Uh, Palpatine also said, uh, Palpatine, uh, Ian McDermott um, basically said, I know, I know my son who is the father of Ray is technically a clone but Palpatine did have sex and I just really love, I really love that Ian McDermott pretty much apropos of nothing, wanted to make sure everybody knew that Palpatine fucked. Yeah. And I've met Ian McDermott before and if I ever got the opportunity to meet him again, I want, I want the next autograph to have something to do with Palpatine fucking. Just gonna say, like, love, yeah, love Ian Palpatine fucks. <laughs> I need it. I need it. I need. I need something like she. She Darth on my city is to lie unlimited power. Like I, I need it. But anyway, go check out the Empire uh, magazine stuff. It's very very cool um, pieces here about the prequels and them getting their love. You know, I will say, if there was one thing I was really disappointed by. Um, you know, obviously lack of Jar Jar. Um, but the, the discourse went to a really, really infuriating place. Um, the day these were announced and I saw a lot of people talking about the prequel trilogy, like it was still 2005. And as I've said, with regards to the sequel trilogy, if you tell me you don't like the sequels, I'm not going to assume you don't like the sequels because you're a racist or a misogynist or whatever. But when I start talking about why the racist and misogynistic critiques against the pre or against the sequels are invalid and stupid, and then you tell me that you actually don't like them for good reasons, I'm going to assume that you heard yourself in my complaint and are getting defensive about that. And when there are all these people talking about how much they love that these movies are finally getting their flowers. And then you get this handful of people who are like, guys, they're still bad or complaining about people lowering their standards to now like the prequels. It really makes me angry. Because I feel like the prequel conversation that's happening right now is it could not be happening in less of a not vacuum, if that makes sense. Like so much of the outpouring, very loud public, 
you know, bleeding heart love for this, for the prequel trilogy that we see a lot these days comes in spite of the vitriol these movies received back in the day, you know? And I think that there is a, I don't want to say, I, 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 I don't want to say trauma. I do not want to devalue that word here with conversations about fandom, but there is a learned behavior. And I think a, for lack of a better term, trauma that again, I don't like using that word, but I can't think of another one that, that, that the hatred of the prequel trilogy directly bled into the sequels. There's a lot of people who ride for the fucking prequel trilogy, uh, revenge of the Sith, especially that use the prequels and use what they love about them as a way to criticize and rip apart the sequel trilogy. And it's those prequel kids that are all grown up now that I shake my head at because those kids have now decided you've become the very thing you swore to destroy. Um, you know, you're, 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 it is, you, you are, you are continuing this cycle of invalidating other people's fandom which mm-hmm. in this space, as far as I'm concerned, is a cardinal fucking sin. And that it's something that is not acceptable to me, period. Right. And I get I get so upset because while I want to yell at like the prequel fanboy who won't stop talking about how much he loves Revenge of the Sith and why he loves Revenge of the Sith so much that the rise of Skywalker or The Last Jedi or The Force Awakens makes him want to gouge his eyes out. I then turn around and I see like celebrated film critics in 2024 saying that we as the moviegoer have lowered our standards and that's why people have softened on the prequels and not because the movies grew on them or they learned to act more like reasonable adults about it instead of, you know, making shit like people versus George Lucas you know, mean-spirited documentaries about how George Lucas ruined your childhood. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there is a maturity that has come with the embrace of the prequel trilogy. And I think that do that, that, that yelling, stop having fun at people is just diametrically opposed to that growth. And I think that because so much of that celebration comes from rejecting the vitriol that made these movies so um, untouchable to the culture at large, it feels like you're reinforcing that bad behavior. The God is here. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a small number of lessons that fandom culture have learned over the years. And the, the change of heart that the prequel trilogy has received is on the short list of good things that were learned. And there are a lot of people who again, continued that cycle. And it's because I think that there was a pent up sense of resentment of like, I didn't get to have the I didn't get to have ubiquitously love trilogy and neither do you. Mm-hmm. Um that again comes with a lot of baggage of the misogyny and the racism um that affects the sequel discourse and always will. But yeah, I just I'm I'm disappointed by that. And I was I was sincerely surprised by it. I really did think that we had kind of reached a point of being willing to just accept these movies as they are and accept what we love about them and accept the fact that the people who grew up with them now do have something to say, whether or not you agree with it, that's fine. Again, I do not Mm. demand that you sit at the edge of your seat for all 82 minutes of the Boonta Eve classic, 
However, if your reaction to people saying, I'm so glad to see this celebrated is to remind people why you think it sucks and say that their standards have been lowered, you're part of the fucking problem. I got news for them. Uh, my standards were already on the floor. Yeah, so don't don't even <laughs> worry about it. We ain't changing over here. Nah, nah baby. Nah, I've been the same. Jerry said we've been here. We've been here. Been here. Listen, man. The welcome, Menace, welcome to the Dust Bunny. Yeah, come on, come on. Let's go. Let's go. The, listen, the Phantom Menace has always been my favorite prequel. So, like, this is yeah. the worst they're gonna get from me. Like, yeah. I. I'll be there when Attack of the Clones comes out in the theater in the next three years. I'm not gonna be like, you know, woo! It's not gonna be about it. I ain't the champagne. Yeah, you know, I will for Revenge of the Sith. Attack of the Clones is cool, but but it's no Boone Eve classic. It's no, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Um, That's right. So, as many people know, I am a crier when I watch things. Um, I'm especially a Star Wars crier. And I, right. Casey knows okay. where this is going. Um, he was there, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I was, I was, I was, uh, I visited my family for dinner earlier this week. And I was talking to my girlfriend and my Nana about how excited I am for the, to see the Phantom Menace in the theater. And the conversation of how much are you going to cry came up. And we started jokingly trying to count what all scenes would make me cry. And while trying to map this out, um, me seeing Return of the Jedi in theaters last year came up, an event Kaysen was present for, uh, an event that Kaysen had a front row seat to me openly sobbing, hysterically weeping for the last 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi. And talking about how, you know, we we were like eight people deep for that. Like six, yeah, seven, eight people squad. deep. We had a whole squad for nice. that. And how I was the last person to come out of the auditorium and all our friends are standing in the in the hallway and I come out of the auditorium and my face is red and I'm all fucking puffy because I I have been sobbing for 20 minutes. Mm. And you heard Vader go, no, and then you hear Jared. <laughs> Verbatim what Taylor said the other night. <laughs> no. no. Um, but no, so, so we were trying to figure out how, how many times am I going to cry during the Phantom Menace? And I was like, so I'm going to cry during the opening crawl. That is a given. I was like, anytime I've seen Star Wars in the theater since 2015, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I get choked up. I'm crying. Every time that's how it's worked. So, and, and, and my Nana rolls her eyes and I'm like, yeah, but you don't understand. I didn't get to have Star Wars in the theater. I saw Attack of the Clones. And I don't even remember it. And I was in kindergarten when I saw Revenge of the Sith. I didn't get to experience all the movies in the theater. Like, so this is like, and, and, and my Nana very graciously went, that's fair. So she that's gave me the opening crawl. Jean. She gave me the opening movie. crawl. She's a saint. She was like, okay, that's I cool. hear that. That's valid. And then 
I was like, so I'll go, so I'll calm down, and then I'm gonna start crying again when Obi Wan and Qui Gon fight the battle droids. Because, oh hell because, yes! Because that because that moment for me is so like like that is ingrained that. into my mind as like the kind of adventure and heroism you get from Star Wars, like just yeah. that. Where they're cutting down the battle droids, this like the very specific beats with that choreography, seeing Ewan and Liam like fully in sync as those characters, like that moment, like I always just get like filled with excitement. Oh, yeah. Well, me and Scotty talked about that uh, moment like a, 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 on a podcast a little bit ago, and like it, it's like a rock show. It's like you're at like the you're like at a at a show like a like a really show you're really excited for, and they like like the smoke starts coming out, and then you see the lightsabers. I mean, goddamn it, I love that scene too. I don't. I've seen that. No, I want to make a, make a very direct comparison with that because I agree with that. It's I've seen Earth, Wind, and Fire live twice. My favorite mm. band, and both times they opened with "When You Wish," like, like uh, "When You Wish Upon a Star." It may not actually be the title, not the Disney one, obviously, but you know right. what I'm talking about. It's Earth, Wind, and Was Fire. It Jiminy Cricket in Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, yeah, he he, re- he replaced Maurice. Um, uh, it's really hard to see him live. He's on there. He's on stage. Um, <laughs> they got the jumbotron for him. Yeah, yeah they got the jumbotron for him. Uh, Jiminy Cricket, really into funk and disco. Who'd have thought? But <laughs> but gotta make it to the show, Pinocchio. But that like. But that like, like that 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 baseline, people lose their fucking minds. But a boo, boo, pandemonium. Like that is exactly how I feel when I see that scene, and I love the concert comparison because that's where I go. That is exactly where I go. Um, for that that exact that exact moment. And it could be, and it, it's just because like that moment just encapsulates like being a hero in Star Wars, being a Jedi. Like I think of that specific moment. So I was like, I'm going to cry there. And I, the whole, this whole conversation was prefaced on, I'm not going to cry nearly as much during the Phantom Menace as I did during Return of the Jedi. Because not the Phantom true. Menace, the Phantom Menace is like, it makes me so deeply happy. I love so much about that mm-hmm. movie. Return of the Jedi is a movie that is like deeply emotionally affecting to me. Like there is so much about like the grand arcs of Anakin and Luke um, and like the fight against the dark side of the empire and the fight we know comes after it that like the return of the Jedi just fills me with so much emotion. Um, return of the Jedi full, or I'm sorry, Phantom to menace fills me with just joy. Like it's not mm-hmm. so much like, it's not so much all these bittersweet elements. It's there is just so much fun and adventure here that is star Wars to me. And then I was like, and then we're going, oh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry during this. I'm not going to cry during this. I was like, you're going to get a lot of me being like, yeah, but not like crying. And then I was like, I was like, and then I, and then this is the exact conversation. I go, duel of the fates. I'm not going to cry. And Taylor got visibly angry when I said that. She went, you're not going to cry during duel of the fates. <laughs> you're not going to cry during duel of the fates. I was like, no. I'm Taylor on that one. I was like, I'm gonna fuck you. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'm gonna be full of so much joy. And then you're like, yeah, right. let's go. Taylor goes, you're gonna hear the first two notes of that song and you're gonna be sobbing. Yeah. And I was like, the fight doesn't make me cry. And then she went, No, the fight doesn't make you cry. Seeing it in a theater in like a Dolby Atmos auditorium oh, will fuck you up. And I went, Yeah. Well, and she went, You're gonna cry during the duel of the fates. <laughs> and she said, And it's okay. 
you're going to cry during the Duel of the Fates. So stay tuned to see if I cry during Duel of the Fates whenever the movie comes out. Um, but it was that, and I was like, I'm going to cry when Qui-Gon dies. I'm going to cry during the funeral and his last words. Um, then I was like, I don't think I'm going to cry as much for this one. But we'll see. There's a non-decent chance I end up sobbing as much as I did for Return of the Jedi, and I'm just short-selling myself. Star Wars in a theater is just more – it's more powerful. It it hits you in the face a little a little harder um, in a good way. And it's just um, – you know, like watching Return of the Jedi, like is where, like you, you, ne- you always forget because they don't release them like periodically like they used to. Yeah. And like, I mean, when it does come out, it, I mean, it seriously is. I wish they put these things in there for more than a week too, because um, it's yeah. just like I'm really hoping this one's let it ride because Return of the Jedi was like a month. Was it? Yeah, yeah. So there was a little time. So that this probably be about the same as that, comparable to that. I'm so. hoping. I'm hoping because Return of the yeah. Jedi it came out at the beginning of April, and then they made a big deal about the fact that they were going to be ending it around May fourth. Right. So it was like, let this be your May the fourth celebration to cap out the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi celebration by seeing it. Let the Phantom Menace stay in theaters until it is time for uh, the Acolyte to start on June fifth. I mean, hey, I mean, it's the beginning of May, so that might actually be how that pans out. Just saying. So, but yeah. Dude, even on um, my home setup here in my room, it hits different. Like when I have my projector, yeah. I just, like I'll hook it up to my computer speaker, save the subwoofer and everything. So it like really hits the low end on shit. It's like it hits different just that between that and the TV. It makes a difference. It feels not you even feel like, like a full there. home theater. Yeah. I, I also apologize in advance to the people that I'll be seeing this with. Because I know, again, like it's May the 4th weekend, so like we'll be in Philadelphia, and I know there's a bunch of people in like the Roosevelt's Facebook group who are gonna, who have already expressed interest in trying to do like a Roosevelt's like mini meetup to go see Phantom Menace. Um, and if I see it again the next weekend with like my family, um, I apologize to anybody whom I'm going to immediately want to have a lightsaber fight with. Because um, I've never not watched the duel. Fight of the me, bro. Oh, yeah, I'll have my lightsaber <laughs> with me. I'll just immediately be like, who wants it? Who wants it? Nothing personal. I need to beat some ass. I need to beat some ass right now. Right now. Just I'll, I'll, like, like, let me take on all the Roosevelt's insiders. Death to all of them. Just full macho man <laughs> from Spider-Man. I, like, yeah. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of me time. <laughs> three minutes in the Petronaki arena with the dark Jedi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The cream of the crop and epic confrontations. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so very excited for all of that. Uh, happy 25 years of the prequels, everybody. So on the topic of some prequel love real quick, gonna run this story down. Uh, we got a huge announcement that I am so excited for. Um, we are getting a remastered re-release of Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2. Um, You're goddamn right we are. (laughs) Golf clap for that, sir. Golf clap. It is releasing on March 14th. It is right around the corner. Um, I will be pre-ordering mine tonight. Uh, And yeah, it's going to... Here's what's really exciting. It's something that kind of went under the radar is that it looks like it's going to be coming with all the DLC from Battlefront 2. Uh, which would include Hero Assault being extended to pretty much all of the maps. 
uh, mm. Cloud City making a return to Battlefront 2, as well as Kit Fisto and Asajj Ventress. Um, at the very least, Kit Fisto. We didn't see Ventress, but I'm assuming she's in there. If Kit is yeah, there, I saw I'm her sure in every there. every release I saw it mentioned her. So, oh, it mentioned her. Okay, cool. Yeah, but. Yeah, this is very exciting. And again, you know, uh, people have had the opportunity to replay these games on Xbox and on PC. Uh, but the big, big, big uh, announcement that came with this is this will be also coming back with uh, multiplayer. Multiplayer services are going to be brought back online for this with 64 player lobbies. <laughs> That's going to be insane. <laughs> so I'm going to get my tax return back in a couple weeks. And I might have to give in and buy a PS5 just so I can play the remastered Battlefronts. I mean, wow! I at the very least, you and I are going to get our money's worth. Yeah, squadding up, squadding up. We're about to watch uh, all the half decent Star Wars podcast hosts squad up and uh, take out those separatist bastards. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Hell yeah! Yeah, no, I am ready the to map just animations get and everything. Oh man! Oh yeah! I'm ready to just get absolutely bogged down in the bridge of that uh, of Cloud City uh, landing pads map. It's like the only like that's that's like my favorite <laughs> place to have a goddamn shootout in, in Star Wars land is that stupid ass hallway. <laughs> I saw <laughs> like you saying mentally, that. I've I been know. on Bespin since 2006. Well, it's funny you say that because I know Spencer, uh, our very own Spencer, Spooter, Spanky, Spaldo, uh, whatever you like to call him. Spangly. Uh, Spangly. Um, he loves to talk about being a menace to society on Paulus Massa because there is this incredible bottleneck that all of like the NPC clones will funnel into. Then if you're using Darth Maul on that map, and you throw your lightsaber one time, you have the potential to hit like a uh, deck tuple kill <laughs> and take out all of the spawn soldiers in one lightsaber throw and wait for them all to respawn and funnel into the same corridor. Um, so yeah, I didn't play Battlefront 1 as much as Battlefront 2, and I'm not going to lie to you, that's because I couldn't use a lightsaber in Battlefront 1. Um, it's fair. I have I have no shame about saying that. Um but absolutely man this is this is going to be incredible. I'm so excited. This is this is great news. Um the more Star Wars remasters the better. A lot of these games are on the verge of being lost media in many ways, you know, yeah. just because like just because backwards compatibility is such a hit and miss for a lot of things. You know, like especially PS2 games, you know, like, yeah, like there's a lot you can do on Xbox, but like, because so many people have migrated to PlayStation um, because of exclusives, there is no way to do backwards compatibility for a game that came on a cartridge. You know, I mean, I'm sure the hardware could exist, but it's just going to make the consoles more expensive. So I really, really do love this litany of re-releases. Um, I know there's a couple I would like to see get this treatment. Um, obviously, it goes without saying. I'd love to see Obi-Wan get a remaster. Um, y'all aren't going to hear from me for a long time <laughs> if Obi-Wan gets a remaster. Um, I'm making Case and come over so I can play Jedi Arena with somebody. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I, think the big, I think the next big one that needs a remaster is going to be Revenge of the Sith. 
Oh, yeah. I think I I feel like that's the next obvious one. Yeah, especially the Sith. <clears throat> that game, like that movie and everything, and the game came out like right before the Xbox 360 and the PS3, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and so it's, it's not and even like they is, had like updated graphics for that. Like they were the the character models in that game are so blocky. A remaster would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, they're not too bad. They're not super bad by two thousand five standards. Fair. They're not as blocky as I think you think they are. Um, but I mean, honestly, I mean, just so people can play it more easily, you know. Like again, it's one of those issues. I mean, right. at least that I have. Is that you know my sister inherited my Xbox One, and it sits in my family's house, and she plays it frequently, and I'm not complaining about that, except for the fact that like when I get a hankering to play Battlefront Two, I can't, you know, because I have my old Battlefront Two on that Xbox. You know, I can't play Revenge of the mm-hmm. Sith. I need my 360 or my OG Xbox to do that. So, like, for me and my own selfish purposes, you know, like, you know, the only times I ever get to play those games is if I spend if I spend a night over in uh, with my family. And then I'm up until the ass crack of dawn playing old Star Wars games I don't get to play anymore because I live an hour away, you know. So I'm so like, you know, I'm over there and little sister will go to bed and I'm like, all right, good night, everybody. And I'm holed up in her game room in her like adjacent playroom till like four in the fucking morning Play, you know, playing Rise of the Empire or Revenge of the Sith, you know, or I'm just, I'm just like my eyes are <laughs> popping out of their sockets because I'm on my eighth attempt to kill Sindralig, you know. So I'm really hoping uh, Revenge of the Sith is the next one to get this treatment. Um, so, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on that before we hit one last story before Bad Batch? No, I'm just ready to to again blast the hell out of some stormtroopers on that bridge uh jump to my death if it looks like it's looking bad uh because it's got little windows on the side of it and everything it's gonna be fucking fantastic that's that's all i have to say about oh that. yeah love that bridge uh one last bit here um there's nothing confirmed yet however uh it looks like the uh the next batch of Legends Essential novels has uh, has allegedly leaked. Um, we are looking at uh, X-Wing Solo Command by Aaron Alston, The Han Solo Adventures by Brian Daly, and one that excites me very much, the novelization for The Force Unleashed. Um, ah. I'm very excited by that. Uh, last one for... A little bit of sizzle for you guys. I'm working on a uh, series of episodes about The Force Unleashed. Uh, it'll be a podcast episode, a video essay, and then one last one that would be kind of a big thing that I'm not going to say anything about should it not happen. But at the very least, there are two Force Unleashed-related projects we have cooking over here. Uh, and I was lamenting that I would I need a physical copy of The Force Unleashed to annotate for that. And uh, they don't, they're not in print anymore. Uh, so a essential legends collection version would be very nice to have. And I'm glad that it looks like that's going to be our next batch coming up. I'm also very excited to see what that artwork looks like. Um, I've been kind of hit or miss for the essential legends collection artwork. There have been some that I think are really good. There have been some that I think have been regressions. 
Uh, for example, I think the original artwork for Star Wars Death Troopers is infinitely better uh, than just like the one we have for Love of Legends collection, where it's just like, ooh, zombie stormtroopers, where the original artwork is a scene depicted directly in the book where they go into part of the purge and there is like a severed stormtrooper head hanging on a meat hook. Um, and I just remember that cover art being so striking and terrifying when I was a kid and just the kind of like almost cartoony zombie stormtroopers on the cover of the new one is, doesn't quite get me in the same way, but either way, I'm very excited for that information. So, Moving trying on. Trying to sell it to unsuspecting children. That's what they're trying to do. It's fine. There's still zombies, though. It's still clear I they're know. fucking zombies. Gonna it's ru- still we're going to ruin But, uh, yeah, so we're going to move into our main story here today, which is the first three episodes of Bad Batch Season 3. Jerry, I'm going to shoot to you first. How are you feeling coming off of these first three episodes? uh emotionally drained already um no i was just that first episode was just um man the the like the the dad vibes in uh the entire uh series uh, the bad batch series is they're immaculate they're it's it's all uh it, i get hit with a little moment pretty much in every episode right but just the, to have the first episode to be this like we're we're gonna really focus in on Omega and what's been going on here and just like the just the 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 sweetness of this child and everything like uh, like growing up to like spending like a long time at this place you know we see the passage of time and to have her still um, really trying to reach out to. Uh, crosshair and everything i was just i was a mess of tears uh in this one i think there was there were again i watched these at 3 a.m upon this recording uh the night the the night they came out um and i haven't got to revisit them but um i can't remember exactly what it was but there was a particular moment that just absolutely just i absolutely crushed me (laughs) so um but yeah no i I'm feeling good with these episodes, man. I'm you had that one, then you had the absolute fun, uh, or the, just the adventure of uh, the second episode with Wrecker and uh, and Hunter, which made me realize how small the fucking crew is now, yeah. which is also very sad. That would hit really hard, and then top it all off with uh, ooh, uh, Mister Mister. Uh, <laughs> Miss Mr. Going to Bone Town Palpatine uh coming in in the in the last <laughs> episode that they released there. Um I mean the sexual tension in that one alone was was absolutely insane. People have been saying so. they got some sexual tension between him and uh Royce Hemlock, and I don't know. There's something maybe it's because I hate Hemlock so much that I just see him as like a fucking Ken doll from the waist. He's down. a sycophant he he's a sycophant for palpatine i don't know if he's a he's a i don't know if he's a sycophant is that a, no, no 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 we're gonna back off of it i don't know if he'd want i don't know if he'd want that or not so 
I didn't pick up on that. I do. Straight I do think he wants jail to jail for sycophant. I must say, Thank you. Um, it's mine. I, I accept my fate. I accept my fate. <laughs> my God, Casey, how are you feeling coming off of uh, these first three episodes? I am so excited that the batch is back. Um, I just, I really like the Bad Batch. Um, I don't remember if I watched the first season initially when it came out. Or I think I waited a while. I think I waited until right before season two was about to come out. And then I watched season one and I was like, okay, this is pretty fucking good. And then season two came out and I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. <laughs> um, yeah, super hype about it. Um, I... I was kind of not on board with the like going back and connecting the dots between the the sequels and the original trilogy. But like the more I've thought about it, I'm like, okay, no, just, it makes sense. This is what star Wars does. Um, Mm -hmm. So like seeing this stuff and like with Mount Tantus and everything and like seeing Palpatine come to check on the cloning experiments and project necromancer is very cool. Um, And like, that's, like I said, like that's what Star Wars does. So everybody that was like, it doesn't make any sense. Which honestly, when when the prequel or when the sequels first came out, I was one of those dudes where I was like, it doesn't make any fucking sense. What do you mean yeah. somehow? Um, but that, I mean, this is what happened with the Clone Wars too. Like you go back in and you fill in the gaps there, and like that series is so beloved, and like these other series that have been coming out since then are doing the same thing. And like that's, like I said, it's it's what what's what we do over here. Yeah, I mean, it's it is in the DNA of Star Wars to like, go, okay, we told this story, and what little nuggets can we do to retroactively make it fit? You know, yeah, like, let's I find just, out how we got here. Yeah, and for me, I think that like, I've seen some really shitty discourse, which like, I've yeah, like I saw this one person, I will not address them by name, but like, you know, did this whole thing about like, I'm so tired that like all roads lead back to Exegol in star wars now but it's like all roads led to fucking endor yeah yeah for the better part of like 40 years so like i don't i don't know what you want from that you know i don't know what what you want here you know it's it is it's the nature of these stories and i think it would be frankly i think it would be stranger if this story that is about the last dance of the clone army to have nothing to do with Palpatine and his plot to extend his life, you know? Mm -hmm. And again, like it's, it's things that are in the periphery almost like I'm not, not to say that like what is happening with the empire and Sidious and these clones is not paramount to the story. It is, but by the same token, like it's not like the main thrust of this season or this series has been Palpatine's plot with cloning. Right. It's right. been about this family. It's been about personhood. It's been about we were bred for one thing and now we're no longer needed. What does that mean for me and my humanity? And, you know, I just, I'm, I'm very, I'm very confused by the people who are acting like this whole show has been about the emperor. I I just, I just think it's dishonest. I, I mean, I think we're going to get more Sidious in this season, but so far he's shown up in one episode a season. Yep. Briefly at that. Right. You know, we got, 
one scene of him addressing the Senate last season, we got to see Sidious do basically the day two version of the, you know, reorganize into the first galactic empire. You know, like we saw like a speech like that. It's not been the Sidious necromancer show. Right. You know, it's been about what what do these people do with their lives when their primary programming, for lack of a better term, has been fulfilled. And, you know, I'm fascinated by it, you know, and I'm frankly more fa- I'm fascinated by us seeing more and more of what the Empire is doing. You know, I've said before that the thing that has always fascinated me the most about the Empire is the things that they never addressed in legends or canon to my knowledge. You know, it's like the idea of like, you know, what did, what was the Imperial propaganda? You know, what did they tell people about the Jedi and how, why the Republic had to be done away with. And now, so very, very much now I find myself chomping at the bit for these stories about what is the, how is the empire? How is the emperor planning these elaborate schemes to extend his life. You know, I think knowing like how long has this conspiracy been moving is, is something deeply fascinating, you know? And I, I've said this before, I believe I said it whenever I was on star Wars explained last season and a little bit of sizzle on March 6th, I believe uh, the third night of releases, but technically the fifth episode of uh, this season, I'm going to be on star Wars explained again. Um, so go tune in for that for their live stream review. Um, but, you know, I think I said it there. Like, I think it's going to be really cool if we end up learning that the clone troopers, these people who were disposable to the Empire, set Sidious's plan back 30 years. That learning that, like, you're disposable, you're here to serve a purpose, you're treated as fleshy battle droids who we've programmed to like lose your shit when it's, when a code word is uttered that they so aggressively and emphatically reclaim their personhood and end up fucking up Palpatine's plans forever. You know, like, and that that's been the big talking point lately is, you know, they say in shadow of the Sith and the rise of Skywalker novelization that like, the emperor and his whole plot were, was, was so cobbled together on Exegol because none of the bodies were ready. And we know that at least right before return of the Jedi, he's already set up shop on Exegol. Right. You know, through the Darth Vader comics. So like, I really do love the idea that like, yeah, Palpatine was like, all right, salvage what we can of this research. And we're going to move it all the way to fucking, you know, East Kabum fuck Sith land. So that nobody else can fuck with my shit because, you know, however many long years worth of research got annihilated by the clones. Mm-hmm. They, they stole the homeland of the clone trooper they took back, they took his immortality from him for it. I think that's beautiful and inextricably yeah. linked to the story of the clone's personhood. So I truly do not understand why 
all roads leading back to Exegol is a bad thing. Right. Well, I mean, as much as people may not want to hear it, I mean, that's the end of the story now. The, of what, what, that's that's the end we've got for that saga, right? Like, yeah. and again, like I wasn't, I, I was like on the fence about Rise of Skywalker. I like it a little more. I think it's the weakest of the sequels, but. I I never really personally had a problem with the Palpatine stuff. I mean, it was definitely a tack on and everything, but I was like, all right, fine. Okay. We're going down this road. Okay, cool. Um, no, he's your but, normal but, person about it. But. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, that, that tends to happen sometimes, you know, but uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's, and again, you don't have to like it, I guess and everything, but it is just funny. It is funny. How many people again, including, Mr. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say his name on here or whatever. Um, the Mr. Uh, uh, bald man uh, who cries about people stealing his script. I mean, you can say his name. That's not who I was complaining about. <laughs> was not oh, I was. I well, was no, somebody I'm else saying... who used the verbiage of "all roads lead to Exegol." Right. Well, there's other people that do that, but like, even like, just for, for an example, like, there's a clip that I just saw before getting on here of him reacting to that last episode of the bad batch and then it cuts someone cut it so it goes from them walking into that vault to him going man fuck fuck. they're connected (laughs) to the pre they're connected to the sequels (laughs) and i just i don't know why people are and he's he's feigning surprise uh for for engagement but i just i i don't know why people are surprised with this like yeah. this, honestly i feel ever since they've introduced tantus i've been like oh we're going that's where we're heading to yeah personally yeah. yeah like that's we're gonna start setting this shit up because again star wars fans aren't happy unless we over explain everything you know and go on these journeys which i don't think they're over explaining by the way anyway no I'm, no i, I agree now i'm you. rambling so but, with these episodes you know i I did not know how, not to say that I was like, I have no idea how they could do it. I had no idea what they were going to do with a crosshair redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was something that I was curious. As, I was curious as to the how. Again, not nay, this is impossible to do, but like, what's your angle going to be? And the idea that crosshair is in a self-imposed exile, you know, the whole, like, I deserve to be here idea. Mm-hmm. I think that's really fascinating. And I do think that is a, I think that is the best angle they could have taken. Um, and I, I think if it makes it more fascinating because, you know, Crosshair, I mean, he's arguably the most competent warrior in the bad batch, you know, like everybody, like, you know, outside of, crosshair everybody's you know enhanced gifts give him like like can be utilized outside of a war zone you know hunter is an incredible tracker and leader and military mind and you know there are applications to that outside of combat you know wrecker has super strength tech was you know in 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 endowed with like remarkable intelligence unrivaled crosshair is a killer he's a fighter and the idea that, you know, 
kind of stuck with me is I, I, I couldn't help but think Crosshair could have broken out at any time. You know, you see the advanced aging is catching up with him and he's got this tremor, um, which I think is also a fantastic metaphor for him. Like, what am I if not a warrior? Um, which I think, again, is is brilliant characterization for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the idea that Crosshair being the consummate soldier that he is, he probably could have broken out whenever he wanted. You know, that like, yeah, it would have been Harry and maybe there's not a guarantee he'll make it out. But like out of any clone in that building, Crosshair could do it. Mm. Yep. But he didn't think he was worthy of that freedom because of the way he betrayed his brothers. Because he fucked up so bad that he got Omega captured in many ways, at least as far as he's concerned. Um, I think that's powerful. And the idea that it's like, oh, Omega's trying to break out. I can't let her go by herself, you know? And right. that, you know, that's the moment that he's like, okay, it's go time. Um, I really, really do love the characterization for Crosshair uh, that mm-hmm. we're getting. You know, I do think he is probably my new favorite member of the Bad Batch. For a while, it was between him and Echo. Um, and the Echo is largely because of my own 500 first bias. Um, but like the characterization he's getting is just beautiful. And again, it's, it's, it's so much of it is that manifestation of what that tremor means to him that like, you know, and like, again, like this is this perfect shot. He's like fucking Hawkeye, you know, he's never missed a shot, never will. So seeing him like lose control, um, I, I think is beautiful. You know, I, I brought up, um, I brought up the, the 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 driving motif of Kendrick Lamar's damn a lot during our Ahsoka coverage that, you know, is it wickedness? Is it weakness? You decide, are we going to live or die? And I think it's because that, that motif sticks with me and affects me deeply. Um, and to draw that comparison again, you know, I think that it, there's something beautiful to the fact that while Crosshair is becoming a lesser warrior, uh, he's becoming a better man. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's becoming, he's coming into his own as the father figure Omega deserves from him. Um, you know, like I saw people pointing out that this is the first time he ever addresses Omega by name. Yeah. That we yeah, ever say. Honor kid. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's something really powerful to that. And to see, again, him step up into that role um, in in trying to make right his wrongs and in recognizing that she needs somebody and that, you know, I love the idea that, you know, like by the time Crosshair reunites with his brothers, he may not be fully ready to face the music and hear the, I told you so's or even make the apologies. We know he Mm -hmm. wants to make when he gets back to the Marauder with his brothers, but I like, again, I like the idea that it feels like it's going to have to be forced out of him less. That he is already aware of how he's failed and he's trying to make up for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really, really do like where they're going with Crosshair. Um, Jason? I really like um, how they do the build up to the escape, too. Um, 
as far as like within the first episode, like where Omega's concerned, where they do like the whole like they go through the routine and they do it like multiple times. Yeah, the rep- the repetition, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, hey, just so you know, this is what's been going on. This is what Omega's been doing every day. And yeah. she's going to talk to Crosshair every day too. Um, and then when she shows up and she has Nalase's da- uh, data pad, and Rick, like uh, Crosshair's like, leave it alone, kid. And Omega's like, no, no, no. I need you to lock in, bro. We're doing this. Like, let's, yeah. we're doing this right now. This is happening. And if you like, like I'm, I'm bust you out of here. I, I need you to come with me. Like, let's, let's do it. I need, I need shooters. I need shooters. Quite literally, I need yeah, shooters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need hitters. Yeah. <laughs> Stun them if you want, but I need shooters. <laughs> um, yeah also the uh, I forgot how absolutely sinister Hemlock is too oh what a motherfucker yeah he's such a that's still in a while oh yeah yeah oh, yeah. Um, yeah Hemlock's good the Palpatine intro was good uh, as, soon, as soon as he said we have an unexpected visitor I was like oh, that's Sheev for sure dude I did like the I did like the Return of the Jedi illusion, you know, where like it, you know, will I? I forget how Hemlock says it, but it's very much a play on the, you know, well, you can tell the Emperor him that you can tell the Emperor that yourself when he arrives. Emperor's coming here. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Um, It was very much that same conversation he had with uh, Mm. Nalase, which I, I really enjoyed. Um. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jerry, uh, crosshair thoughts. Well, just uh, the way that that he, I don't know, you you were talking about how he gets his kind of dad moments and stuff with her and everything. Just like the whole, uh, like trying, like he thinks he has to push her away to protect her and everything. Like, get away from me, I'm going to cause you more trouble kind of a thing but just the way like i don't like you guys have just already said you know like the the way that he locks in um as soon as she is like no we're doing this and everything he just he goes all in you know and he's like all right we're gonna we're gonna do this we're getting out of here um also uh i love uh i love that they have a dog now so absolutely and that was another thing i wanted to talk about that's Batcher, they they mentioned this on Force Center, and you know I broke my rule. Uh, I always say I I try to avoid listening to Force Center until after I've done my review because I feel like right. I'm plagiarizing what they're saying at that point. Um, but <laughs> I I could not help but agree with uh, Ken, Joseph, and Jennifer about the of like the way Hemlock frames Batcher's release. And that, you know, it, it does have that, you know, you know, pe- people have a tendency to sacrifice liberty for a sense of security. And that, you know, and there's a lot of different ways you can take that, you know, for good or ill. But that whole manipulation of your compassion has inherently weakened this creature. And in doing so, your ability to care for him, for him, her, I don't remember what Batcher was, but your your ability to care for this creature has rendered them dead on arrival because you've you've inflicted it with a weakness. And you know, it's not subtle. Star Wars rarely is, but 
the the framing device of your compassion is a weakness your your humanity will impart weakness onto others that has been one of the central conceits of this show you know this idea that you know crosshair refuses to engage with the personhood of the clone trooper as an identity and as a as a group is done so that he can hand wave away his own sense of this of, of expendability and the bad batch as a unit chose a tougher road to hoe by engaging with that humanity mm. and being a part of like these building blocks of rebellion and this idea that, you know, again, because it's Star Wars, whatever this operation is most likely going to fail, the hemlock is leading. And the and it will happen because of Omega and the sense of compassion and empathy that she has imparted onto her brothers that will spread like a wildfire to the clones that Echo and Rex are trying to, uh, you know, wrangle up. So much of that false pretense that Hemlock is trying to be like compassion is weakness and empathy is a death sentence. Um, Wickedness or weakness you decide. Um, I love that. I I thought that was so brilliant. And I love, I love when a theme like that makes itself so present, especially at this, like at the beginning of the final chapter at the beginning of the end this like final question of will compassion kill you or will it make you stronger? Again, it is uh, I don't want to say childish because uh, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but like, you know, it is, it is an obvious, you know, kind of theme, you know, yeah. but Star Wars is for kids, you know, it is, it is, it is this morality play. So the fact that this central conceit is about compassion and how empathy will make people stronger because it is when you refuse to be apathetic, you rise to the occasion. I, I absolutely love all of that. Yeah, no, uh, the man, just the whole been to this series where you've got these guys who were hardcore um, soldiers, these guys who were built to fight and everything and to turn that on its head and have them be caregivers and things like that. has just been, it's just, and, and to have that um, just absolutely uh, it's I, th- this season is going to be, be, be pretty, uh, pretty crazy, man. It's going to be pretty crazy with uh, uh the the uh the 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 dad feelings and things like yes. that and all of that i'm like i i'm telling you i'm not going to survive but um you know i i like what you're saying there that that theme is just very that i like that as the thesis statement of the is it is the compassion going to kill you or is it going to uh to make you stronger and i know there's a lot of grim outlooks a lot of people uh kind of have uh <laughs> the oh they're all gonna be dead by the end of this or like or most of them are gonna be dead uh if you're chris ryan's 
uh, from Broaxium, you think that these guys are going to become, uh, was it Scar Squadron that's in the comics? Yeah. Everything like that. Um, which is, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the end for this thing. Like, I honestly, I, I, I hope that it, I hope that they are in a, I'm obviously they're not going to be in a super safe place, but I hope it leaves them in like a, a good enough place, but just, uh, yeah, I know Hemlock's bad. <laughs> Hemlock's very bad. And, uh, he's very good at being bad. Um, I loved the whole, uh, the whole thing with the well, I loved uh, Omega domesticating the yeah. dog, whatever, whatever those creatures are. Uh, Batcher, I guess we'll call them. Yeah. But um, you know, I I loved the whole process of that. You know, like how she she gets to uh, just that Omega can't help but just bring the best out in people wherever she goes. Yeah, like everywhere that she goes, she's just she's absolutely up uplifting people. Yeah, I mean, hell, Bat- Batcher is a reflection creatures. of Crosshair specifically. Yeah. You know, standoffish, hostile, dangerous to her specifically, as he was in season one. But by the end, in this mm. escape, is there to guard her and protect her. You know, like it is very much a reflection and a, and a, and a mirror to how she's treating Crosshair. And, you know, a lot of the, the you know, we talk about the first and third episode a lot. But like that second episode about uh, Wrecker and Hunter. You know, very much also lean into that whole idea of like compassion will save you mm-hmm. and imparting that onto people, you know, and I, I do really love the way that, you know, Hunter is becoming sloppy. He is throwing a lot of his tactical sensibilities to the to the wayside in the name of trying to save Omega. And it's it, 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 it's beautiful. It's truly beautiful. And I, 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 I am fascinated as to where the season is going. Um you know, to obviously bring up the elephant in the room and the big stinger, you know, we have the masterful uh, rotating centrifuge clock motif in the third episode. Um, doomsday is, clock. Yeah, it's yeah, it a doomsday clock. And, you know, and a, a theory that people were bandying about for a long time is, you know, looking to be coming to fruition. One that I've been a proponent of for a long time, that Omega's enhancement is that she can touch the force is that she has a higher midi-chlorian count. Speaking of midi-chlorians, go watch uh, Scotty J. Rowe's uh, two-hour-long academic lecture on midi-chlorians and how they affect the, uh, the, the myth-making of the Force. I cannot recommend it enough. It was sensational work. Really um, well done, yes. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> sensational. <laughs> That's his word. <laughs> Use use the to to use the midichlorian word too. Yeah, say the M word, please. Like you please. don't you don't have to just call it M count. We get it, we yeah. get it. Or the I want Sheev Palpatine. I want like to be talking to him again. Your yeah, your midichlorians are begging. <laughs> God, oh God, what if we have? What if we get to hear Palpatine just? Darth Plagueis' midi-chlorian research has brought us a long way towards understanding their replication in young Omega. Like, oh, I'm going to lose my shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... I once made a baby with midi-chlorians. I'm putting it in canon right here. 
Oh, don't do that, because then everyone's going to be like, oh, Ren and Bay were related, actually, incest, mm. Raylo, but, um, which I don't want to have to hear about. As a Raylo, I do not want to have to hear about Raylo being incest. Um, we get enough on the internet, damn it. That's true. That's true. But, <laughs> but no, um, I do like the idea of Omega being force sensitive, and, you know, it would go a long way. Again, not that it needs explaining. <laughs> Um, but to add flavor to uh, mm. a lot of a lot of what Omega's done, like her her innate ability to connect and empathize, and especially with animals, showing that it is like an inherent connection to the Force that she's passively been using the Force the whole time. The same way, a lot of our you know Force using characters do. They are passively using their powers all the time, especially when they don't realize it. Anakin is a pod racer, Luke in the Death Star, you know, Rey on on uh, Jakku and the way that she's able to, you know, rely on her instincts to, to, to survive facing Kylo Ren. Like, so much of what she does, to be, you know, the idea that she is just so much a beacon of the light that she is able to instinctively tap into that empathy and use it to, to, to relate to people um, and be emotionally uh, honest and engaging with people. I think that's a cool idea. I think mm-hmm. it's neat. You know, again, I don't need the force to be the explanation for every single thing in star Wars. And I know there's some people who really get uh, some kind of way about the role the force can play, but damn, would that be great? I think that would be really, really fun and, uh, you know, beautiful, you know, to show that, again, it's this making amends almost that, you know, the clones are coming off of participating in this atrocity they never wanted to be a part of mm-hmm. and never would have wanted to had they had their own way and their own autonomy in that situation. So the idea that, like, what are what are the clones going to do? after you know participating in this genocide against their will they're going to rally around protecting with force the for, last force sensitive child they can protect um which i think again is is a very very beautiful payoff and acknowledgement of prior themes and motifs um but yeah wonderful first three episodes do you have any other thoughts before we hit the q a and wrap things up well, I'll, I just want to put on record that I was very happy to see that the Durand crime family kept it goth as fuck. I'll keep it one hum with you. Completely mm-hmm. forgot about them. They like that. It's right at the beginning. I know. Yeah, it's like a, it's like not a very big part of that episode, but just like the whole like you know the the ray shield uh, floor they drop people with. I thought was great. You had Morticia, literally Morticia Adams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, as the voice 100%. of Duran's mom. And uh, yeah, I just love that they they operate out of a gothic cathedral. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I also, that I'm excited um, to see what happens with the clones that they found um, at that old abandoned base. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to take them to uh, what the hell is the island called? Pabu. Yeah, Pabu. But like, they're also clone troopers. So like, mm-hmm. they join up the squad for the big rescue. Or maybe mission. they join up the squad, but or maybe they are 
the, the Bad Batch is going to do their best. Now, granted, we know from the trailers that the Empire does inevitably invade Pabu. Um, but after that, I would love the idea that these kids don't have to fight. That's yeah. why mm-hmm. that's why the Batch is fighting, so that right. they don't have to. You know, Omega is already part of this fight, and she didn't ha- she didn't deserve to be. So maybe we can, maybe we can guarantee the safety of these children, and they can just live the better tomorrow that we want them to have. Um, you know, or maybe they are they recognize it like without us participating, this better tomorrow may not happen in the first place. There's a lot of different angles you could take, and I, I love what you're saying, Case. And I think it is absolutely something that is um, going to be a big note moving forward. With, uh, yes. One other thing. Yes. The stormtroopers in this series, as of you know, late. I think it is so funny. It's at least to me that all of them that aren't the commandos, they're wearing Ezra's like cadet helmet. And I yeah. think it's hilarious for some reason. Like every time they pop up on screen, I'm like, oh, there's Ezra, and then I'm like, oh, it's not Ezra. That's the him. Yeah. <laughs> No, we already oh, got on top of the hut. <laughs> oh, bugger you. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, moving into our little Q&A segment to wrap things up. I'm going to start with friend <clears throat> of the show, Alden Diaz's question. As guys with sisters, how do you all connect to the sibling relationships that Omega has with each of her brothers, particularly Crosshair in these episodes? And since the bonds also cross into parenting dynamics, how does uh, girl dad Jerry feel about uh, the way all that's been portrayed? Jerry, I'll start with you because you do have the most uh, unique uh, <laughs> connection here, as you've alluded to a couple times. Right, right. Well, uh, I mean, as a girl dad uh, who, again, I was telling these guys earlier, got a flying knee to the chest uh, today uh, from my daughter. In the, how in the, Omega we of were, her. We were, we were playing. <laughs> She's very Omega. Like how Omega, how Omega. Absolutely. Um, but I just, uh, this entire show has done very good at getting some very subtle things of, of the way that kids act, like capturing it very realistically. It's just like little from just like little movements, like the Omega makes like, like little like gestures and things like that. Um, to just like the, like the the able to connect with people and bring the best out in people that's i mean that's that's kind of like a a kid thing that's a thing that kids can do for you sometimes especially if you're the parent you know that's uh most of the time you want to try to do better but no it's uh i think that this show's done the best and is like the most it's 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 one of my it it is forever going to be one of my favorites because again and I know every damn parent says the same things about their damn kid is like, Oh, they're like my, this hero of this thing reminds me, listen, like my kid's the best, blah, blah, blah. This like Omega really reminds me of my kid. Um, just like the heart and things like that. And I think that's like, a, that's something that we all have at the beginning, like just a pure kind heart that just wants to, to help other people to do the right thing and things like that. I think everyone starts out with that and the world kind of beats it out of you a little bit, but I, I, what I've loved about the way that the parenting and everything. And again, like you said, it's a twofold because it's parenting and also kind of a brother, sister, like a sibling almost feel it's, it's a weird, it's both of them at the same time, weirdly in some ways. And uh, I just think they've done very, very well 
they've really portrayed it in a way that is believable and I've never been this way, but I know some people get annoyed with kids in shows and stuff like that. Sometimes like there's like, Oh, we're adding a kid to the mix. This has been like a very good, like this is, this is what the real, like the realist that a, a kid in this kind of situation, I feel like would be. And so, and, and all praise to Michelle Ang as well for mm. playing the part. Absolutely. Masterfully. Like the, just, she feels like she is like however like 12 or however years old uh omega is so that's just it's it's beautiful all around um but yeah no and as a yeah as a, a guy who has a sister and everything i mean I, I was nice to my sister i was never mean and stuff and and they're nice to omega that's that's my contribution on that and stuff like my sister can just you know She's she's okay. I take care. You know, she's there. <laughs> so, but but what about you guys? <laughs> she's there. She knows I love her. Uh, Casey, I'll let, I'll let you take that one because where where are you in your age rankings? I'm the middle. You're the I'm middle the boy. Um. Yeah, I mean, like as far as the. The sibling bond is what I know more of, obviously, because I don't have my own children. Um, I've been a stepdad before, but, you know. Um, I really feel for the sibling bond part of it. Um, it's like like situations that my sisters and I were in with our family and all that stuff. Because, um, like, when the adults aren't having the best time and, like, you know, going through some shit, like a divorce, for example. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Like when you have siblings to go through that with, I feel like that stuff brings you a lot closer and it can make you stronger. Um, that's like that's one of the things that I'm like kind of grateful for through that thing, at least with my sisters. Like I feel like since the three of us had to grow up earlier than we should have, um, we have a very close connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know with me, you know, I. I I come from a very tight bond with my siblings. You know, there is there is a there is a unity and a relationship there that I I hold very dear. And you know, there there is an age gap between me and my little sister that, like, you know, I'm not her parent. You know, but. I've always been so much older to her that it couldn't, I couldn't help, it, I couldn't help but have a little bit of that relationship with her mm. in some ways. Um, so yeah, those relationships, those Dins and Grogu's and the Bad Batch and Omega, you know, that, especially the Bad Batch and Omega, that I'm not your parent but I did play a role in raising you. And there is a bizarre balance there. And there is this, there, there is a sense of duty there that is hard to quantify because there are times that like, as an adult in my younger sister's life, you know, she's, she's, you know, preteen age, I'm 26 next month. 
you know, there, there is a duty that is, that I do, that I do feel that is just that under a parent, but more than a brother, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in those moments where like Crosshair finally steps up, I am exhilarated by that. You know, I am full of like, oh, finally, motherfucker, you're getting it together. Let's go. Um, yeah. That I, you know, pump my fist at. Um, but there are moments where I, I am like, you know, sincerely angry with Crosshair. And, you know, I, I, I have felt that like you're, you're doing wrong by your brothers. Mm. Um, and you're doing wrong by this kid. You know, the, the adults in the room can have a conversation, a complex mature conversation about why what you did was wrong and you can move past that. Uh, but letting down a little girl like that is something that just has always struck a chord with me as something that I just could never fully get on board with crosshair the way other people have. Um, so yeah, like there is a sense of protectiveness that is as a viewer, I do feel for Omega that it's like, you know, and again, like I'm not, I, I, you know, I, I'm not as I, I'm not, I'm not the bad batch stand that a lot of people are, you know, I, I love this show. I think it's incredible. I think they're doing really beautiful things with it, but I don't ride for them the way other people do. And it's, I think it's a clone thing too, that it's just like, it's a, it's a, it's a group of characters that I never was like, rah, 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 rah about the other, the other people are, but like, I've always been very like, you got to protect this kid at all costs, mm. you know, just because like, I, I can't bear to see her lose that wide eyed looking up to her elders. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough that my sister hasn't quite lost that for the adults in her life, myself included, you know, and there's a, there's a part of me that like dreads, her eventually taking in that real world, you know, not everybody around you is Superman and having to, it's having to accept the, the fallibility um, and the people around her that, you know, that there will be a, a sense of like innocence lost. And I think there's something about Omega that I am so that I love so much about her is that it's not so much a naivete so much as it's just a stalwart, demand in herself uh that she kind of naturally brings out the best in other people um you know it's it's like an interpersonal version of that Qui-Gon quote from Master and Apprentice you know I don't fight for the light because I think it will win I fight for, I you know I, I I am in the light because it is the light and you know I think that Omega embodies a more interpersonal version of that and it does affect me as the oldest child and as the big brother to such a young one. Um, so yeah. Yeah. On a lighter note, um, Eli friend of the show, uh, asks, uh, what animated series would we like to see happen next? Not just the ones we think will happen, but the ones that we want to see. Uh, Jerry, I'll throw to you first, my friend. Oh, man, you throw to me. Uh, I want 
Uh, I'm going to go very typical fanboy. I want a uh, Luke Skywalker uh, Jedi uh, Academy uh, animated series. Okay. Mandalorian and, uh, of course, where we where we end up with uh force awakens so i that's what i would love to see and again in the in the clone wars uh style bad batch like style they they seem to be like kind of sticking with that art style for a few things i don't know if they're going to stick with that outside of that time period or not but i i wouldn't mind seeing something like that uh, we know we're about to i would have said ray but we know we're about to get uh some of ray's uh temple and stuff but I guess there's going to be like, what, like 10 or 15 years between that. Yeah. So. That one is kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, in a different, not knowing about the, the Ray show or the Ray movie, I probably would have said the same thing. Yeah. Um, I am in a similar boat as you. I know my, my main pick would probably be like a Luke's Jedi order show. I think there's a lot uh, to explore there. Um, just in terms, I mean, obviously in terms of character and getting to see, you know, Luke in his prime, which again, you know, and there's a lot of people who wanted to see stalwart Jedi hero, Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy. And while I do think we do get it, I understand that people wanted more of that. Um, so that's totally what I would love to see. I would love to see a lot of that explore. I would love to see like, you know, what does Luke's Jedi order look like? Um, you know, what, what is his ethos moving forward, exploring that element of what, what were his failings that led to the, uh, open door to Kylo Ren, you know, um, that's very much one that I would be fascinated in seeing. Um, I, uh, I think there's, I think there's room for a hidden path show. I think that there's room mm. for a show about like, you know, the Jedi underground railroad, um, you know, especially if, uh, you know, we know Quinlan Voss is alive at the very least close to the time of Kenobi. You know, Quinlan was here. Um, and I'm, you know, coming off of Dark Disciple. We just did an episode with Molly Damon. Go check that one out. Uh, talking about Dark Disciple and how it will lead into the Bad Batch. You know, but like, you know, you could absolutely do a backdoor pilot with Ventress here. You know, have her reunite with her lover. You know, explain or explore their, you know, tumultuous relationship and then show that Asajj Ventress, this fallen Jedi, Jedi killer turned bounty hunter turned, you know, decent scoundrel, uh, you know, helped secure the next generation of Jedi next mm. ne- help, help secure the presence of the light side of the force in general. Um, I think that would be fascinating. Um, I don't know how much you could, I mean, you could do anything in animation, but just because the bend of animation is normally towards, you know, the kids with complex ideas that the adults can chew on and that will make the kids stretch their brain muscles a little bit. So I don't know how much there might be there. Um, But again, I'm going to go with my obvious fanboy answer and say like, I would like to see something about the rule of two Sith. You know, like we've gotten so much of like, here's what the Jedi are doing during the Clone Wars. Here's how the Jedi were handling themselves a little bit before that with Tales of the Jedi. I would be interested in a like the rule of two. And it is, you know, all of the Sith machinations leading up to a certain point. You know, I mean, honestly, you could honestly fuck. Okay, here's a pitch. Um, You have Tales of the Jedi, you do rule of two. And it and like each season is like an anthology of like here is what this 
like group of here's here's what this Sith pairing were up to during their like dynasty within the Bane lineage. Um, you know, you could like do a first season about Bane passing the torch to Xana, and then you could like jump ahead a little bit and explore, you know, some of those weird middle of the road esoteric Sith. And then you could, you know, maybe bring it home Palpatine and Plagueis. Um, I'm saying a lot of that because I'm halfway or maybe three quarters of the way through my like bi-yearly Darth Plagueis rereading. Yeah, I think there's I think there's some there there. Uh, Kason. I mean, that's you pretty much covered it. Uh, Sorry, I kind of rambled. You're all good. I mean, I guess like ideas. No, you're good. This, I mean, it's the same thing Jerry said too with like seeing like Luke Skywalker, either like either Luke Skywalker's Jedi Order or like just like every, maybe not everything, but like a good chunk of what happens between like um, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Like, just see what all happens in there. And like, obviously, like you'd want to include the Jedi Order stuff and include what happens with Ben um, and how we got to that point. Um, but like I would also like to see something like that include like like pull some stuff from legends like they have been a little bit where like maybe not make Luke a fucking force god like he was in legends but like you could have him do some pretty cool shit and people are going to be like yeah that's oh, yeah. Luke fucking Skywalker my guy like I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to complain about that No that or like I wouldn't um, at least the path too the hidden path I think that would also be, be very good. cool I hadn't thought about that either. That was that's a that's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. That's I hadn't thought good. about it until Jared said it, and I was like, "Yeah, that would that sounds like it would be pretty awesome." We we've already got an animated High Republic show in uh, you know Young Jedi Adventures, which we uh, me and my kiddo finished today. Uh, nice. Actually, great reveal at the end of the season. If you're following along with it, I won't give any spoilers. But um, I'd like to well, maybe that's a shame, like the I, was Clone about Wars. To, I was about to hear what you had to say about it. But I oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's just there's a, a a pirate they've been following this whole season, and they they revealed who it was, and it was it was kind of cool. It wasn't like a it's it and again. I didn't expect like there to be any kind of reveal of anything. It wasn't a character you know. It's a character that's been in the show. But um, I really thought uh, got the same Marky on row, and I was gonna be like, How "It's not Marky on row." No, no, it's hopping all over Twitter. That was Marky on row. Here's what I would like to see, though, because like they can't really go to the depths that the High Republic goes in the books um, on this preschool to early child, like the early childhood show can't do that. Um, but uh, give us a High Republic. Uh, animated series right there like clone war style right there high republic what about that yeah no, honestly little... i would love that because i mean all the no... other adventures yeah yeah like no matter how bad i want to read the books i don't know that i'll get around to actually reading the books so like having a having an animated series to watch for the high republic stuff would be mm. very very cool i would appreciate it a lot well and maybe like yeah not like exactly the story that's in the books but like have like well, yeah no but jedi who are tertiary like following along with the big kind of things that happen like kind of like the clone wars and things right. like that so no yeah. i like all of those i think those would all make for some uh banger star wars tv but i do think that is our time here today folks thank you very much for watching and listening uh jerry where can the lovely people find you my friend 
Uh, well, you can find me, like it says down here, at the Cannon Junkie on Twitter and most social medias. Um, and uh, you can find me uh, most Thursdays doing a live stream with the Bombad Cast. Tuesdays we drop podcast episodes, but go check out the Bombad Cast on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the YouTube stuff kind of lives on YouTube, so you got to go to you got to go to the YouTubes for that, kids. Sorry, um, but uh, yeah, no, catch me there. Catch me again uh, with Jared uh, on Ionized Bastards. Uh, the new season uh, is going pretty swimmingly. It's uh, a lot of twists and turns. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can find me every Wednesday at 3 a.m. crying on my couch, screaming um, into the into the void uh, and having some, you know, waking up my neighbors, terrifying them in the middle of the night. Uh, like ah. a Lovecraftian novel. Come on. That's that's what Star Wars is all about, baby. It's, it's, I love it. No, I'm saying I love it. That's just where you can find me there. That's where I'll be. Absolutely. Case and thanks for having me on also. Hey, of course, man. Listen, you're our you're our resident dad guy. So we had to had to have you on for this uh, first wave of episodes. And you know it's the dad batch. You know, it's yeah, you have you on the dad batch, and you know, it's 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 hard to book you whenever there's Star Wars shows going on. So I figured I'd take a lot of stuff to do. I I figured I'd uh, take advantage of the fact that there was no bomb bad cast this week. So (laughs) you're welcome, kids. Kaysen. Yes. Where? Where? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cray Breezy. Uh, it's over here for me currently, but I'm pretty sure it actually ends up being here. Yes. Because of my camera's mirror. So sweet. There. Um, also manage a deathcore band called Belvibeth. If you're into deathcore, that's cool. Uh, I'm here sometimes. Not every time we do a show, but sometimes. You're here uh, more often than not. Yeah, more often than not, I am here. Um, yeah. Catch me outside. How about that? How about that, indeed? Um, yeah. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DarkJedi2552. As Jerry said, check out Ionized Bastards, a Star Wars D&D real play show. I don't know where we are in the season. Um... I'm going to say approximately halfway through because uh, Michael said last season was like seven or eight episodes. He said that it's going to be a little bit longer than that, probably. So I'd say we're approximately halfway through the second season of Ionized Bastard. So stay tuned for more of that. Uh, very, very fun show. Uh, now's the time to catch up. We're going to be recording another episode uh, next week. At least that's the plan. So stay tuned for that. Mm-hmm. Um Epic Confrontations, Star Wars Trivia League that we're all in. Case and I are making our team's debut in a couple months. Uh, Jerry and Alden have the first championship Epic Confrontations match in May. Uh, Jerry, no, nothing personal. I'm rooting against you because I want to take that belt off of Alden and then you and I can have a conversation. The adults can talk after I'm done with Alden. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, like I'm just saying I'll, I'll have to get a spanking in there probably and things like that. I'm just saying. Just saying. Listen, if the universe... Were, I don't believe in it. If the universe were a just place, I'd want you to win. But Listen, I need to dethrone nice. Alden more Nobody. than you need to be the first champion. Nothing personal. I need that more than you need this. Listen, none taken. It's your show. Well, you know what? You know, go ahead. You say your piece and stuff. But I just, you know, just saying... 
no one's taken me down yet. No, they haven't. They haven't. You have a you have a record that is uh, nothing to sneeze at. You know, I can't I can't take your flowers on that one. That is for damn sure. But like I said, I need to uh, I need to dethrone Alden more than uh, you need to be the first champ, in my opinion. That's that's just me. Maybe I'm selfish. Maybe I'm self absorbed. Uh, but it is my league, so there is that. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> But anyway, you guys can also find the Nerd Academy podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, wherever you get podcasts and at the nerdacademypodcast.com where if you want to pick up some TNAP merch and go ahead and check out our student store. And if you're feeling generous, you can donate to our Patreon. Hey, give me a dollar. Speaking of our patrons, thank you to our $10 alumnus. Shit, I lose it every fucking time. I gotta just what organize these clips better. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, is that a Belgian? <laughs> yeah, that'll be Paco's <laughs> next name. Two, Keandre Lloyd. Uh-oh. Colin Provolone. <laughs> Sir. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And to chat GPT, aka Paco. All right, ladies and gentlemen. From the front lines of the information war, it's Alex Jones. And to our dear friend, Ray Clausen, who asks that you donate to Equality Texas to help keep queer kids safe in the Lone Star State. Folks, I got to sit down and uh, decide when we're going to schedule the Versus Series uh, tournament live stream. Uh, once Spencer and I have a date locked down for that, we will be publishing the brackets. How this works is as follows. Whenever we post the brackets, you will fill them out and resubmit them to us either by DM on Twitter, uh, Instagram, or by emailing nerdacademypod at gmail.com. That is nerdacademypod at gmail.com with your filled out brackets, at which point uh, about a week or two later, Spencer and I will do a live stream uh, discussing the versus bracket. So how it works is all the winners of the versus series season four will be on one side. All the losers of versus series season four will be on the other. We'll have them all battle it out until we have a winner of the winner and a winner of the losers. And we'll have those two duke it out at which point we will decide who the champion of season four is. And whoever has the most accurate bracket wins the stream and we'll get their hands on some free nerd Academy podcast merchandise. So be sure to fill in those brackets, submit your, uh, your, uh, your, your predictions. Um, again, I will have an image out for you guys soon when Spencer and I lock down a date that we will do the live stream, at which point we will then, you know, uh, have a date and those will be submitted. Uh, And I will probably have a explainer attached to all the posts for the bracket as well. So be sure to fill those out. I'm very excited to see people's submissions. I'm very excited for this bracket. Also a little bit of sizzle uh, at the end of March. 
right before my birthday because I had so much damn fun doing it the last time. We're also going to be doing another versus bracket. I don't know if we're going to do a giveaway with that one. Last year we did a Jedi Council versus bracket. That was very fun, very controversial. Uh, we had a blast with it. And this time around we're going to be doing that, but with the Dark Lords of the Sith, Legends and Canon alike. Uh, because we need a lot more Legend Sith because there are not a whole lot in canon at the moment. Um, <laughs> we might even extend that definition of Sith to include Kylo Ren and Asajj Ventures. I haven't made up my mind yet. Uh, mm. But either way, we're going to be doing a dark side versus bracket uh, here soon. So stay tuned for that. I'm very, very excited. Um, what else is on the horizon? Um, I'm not sure yet. There may or may not be a Madam Web review out. There's either going to be a Madam Web review or a little standalone video where I talk about how I would have made Madam Web because I think there's actually a fantastic movie hidden in the last five minutes um, that inexplicably wasn't the movie. Um, so stay tuned for that. But other than that, be sure to come back every week for more conversations about the Bad Batch season three of this last ride with Clone Force 99. Thank you also very much for watching and listening and may the force be with you always. Stop! Move away from the cookie jar.